Um, oh, you know what? Quick housekeeping comment. Uh, last week when we were talking about the movie Her and Joaquin Phoenix, and you're like, this is the second Joaquin Phoenix movie we've done, the first being Joker. We actually went back even further. One of our first episodes was on uh, The Village, which Joaquin Phoenix oh, was also yeah. in. yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So you are a liar. Three. Oh, wow. <laughs> Throw that out there. Dang, uh, I, I had written it down to mention that at the top of the show. My fault. I should have done we, that. We ever. might we might need to do all Joaquin's movies now, especially <laughs> yeah, especially right. eight, eight millimeter. <laughs> and then we can stick with the Nicolas Cage thing because I think we have three Nicolas Cage movies too. <laughs> oh, I get my fill of Nick Cage on the Geek Legacy podcast. Oh, I know, I know. Can't can't do it. <laughs> and here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, yeah. Be excellent instead. Yeah. To each other. Did you watch Bill and Ted face the music? I did. I was excited. It was only 25 bucks there, and I got to keep the digital copy, which was really nice. Uh, I also got a $3 credit from Voodoo for ordering it from them. And uh, yeah, it was everything I was kind of expecting in a Bill and Ted movie. You know, I had a lot of fun with it. You could tell that they they made it for the fans. It was, it was great. It was a good one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, tonight on the Geek Legacy podcast. Um, Randy and I both bought a bundle where it was on Voodoo as well. It was 35 bucks for 4K uh, for all three. And you got to keep obviously the new one, too. So, yeah, I didn't see that before I bought it and I saw it post buy post-purchase so Ooh. i was kind of uh kind of upset it's okay buyer's remorse that's what you get you gotta do your do your homework and stuff <laughs> i don't do no homework school's out for summer school's out forever i think it's back <laughs> school's back in post-summer ding ding post school, Malone school's summer. in bitch <laughs> yeah there you go um what else you watching Oh, uh, oh yeah. So I watched that. I was really, really excited about it. I watched Lovecraft Country, uh, the third episode, and oh boy, this show is is crazy. I was not expecting like an anthology esque series, and uh, whew, that was a really good episode. I I thought that Journey Smollett was amazing in it. I was just hooked from the beginning with the whole kind of true story vibe, haunted house mentality. It was. Really, really good. So I'm excited how this show is playing out. But uh, yeah, I watched that. Uh, I've been playing a lot of The Last of Us Part Two. Um, absolutely love it. I think it's great. I'm probably a little more than halfway done. And uh, I don't want anybody to spoil it for me. But there's a lot of controversy behind it, apparently. So hopefully by the <laughs> yeah. time this hopefully by the time this podcast is done or is uh, airing, I will. I uh, have beaten it because I've been putting a good six to seven hours a day playing. <laughs> oh, playing yeah. a lot. If that's the pace that you are keeping, then mm-hmm. you'll have it done inside of like, I don't know, four or five days. I played so long the other day. My eyes were starting to hurt when I was blinking, like just because I'd been staring so long. <laughs> you got to so pee on them. 
I had to go outside and, and breathe in real air for a little bit. But uh, yeah. And then uh, on your recommendation, I watched that documentary on HBO called The Inventor Out for Blood, the Elizabeth Holmes do- documentary and the yeah. Theranos. Man, that was uh, that was also crazy town banana pants. Yeah. Um, that was really interesting. And I think I was just I was shocked. I wasn't as shocked, but I was still really shocked that she would just so bold face lie. She would so boldly face lie to people who basically had her number. You know, there's this investigative report and all these things. And she's like, no, our product works. And it's like, dude, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Right. <laughs> just selling snake oil there. But uh, it was yeah. just so interesting. And it just really makes me question any business in general when they rush out for, you know, because it, it's, it's not it's not um, who has the best technology. It's who's first pretty much. And right. It's pretty, pretty crazy if you think about it. But Right. And then all those poor workers that were just stressed beyond belief and and they just wanted to kill themselves and it was really intense like they hated going to work every day they knew it was a sham like this doesn't work and uh they're getting threatened and it's just awful 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 and then there's a there's that aha moment where the documentarian's like wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) this isn't adding up But in the back of his mind, he was probably like, ooh, this is going to be gold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to win some awards for this one. So, yeah, no, it was really interesting. I, I I love that where he started out, you know, making a completely different documentary than what was the end result. So right. it was it was really it, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was was entertaining. Yep. You should check it out. If if you're listening and you missed that title, it is The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And it is fantastic. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I've been doing. What about you? Gosh, um, did the Bill and Ted thing, loved it, watched uh, Lovecraft Country, and uh, that's pretty much it. I've been just taking pictures of toys lately, just kind of <laughs> hanging out, going outside, you know, <laughs> doing my thing. <laughs> I, I like your new Instagram account. You want to give it a shout out? What's it in? Shocklebot oh, yeah. or something? Shocklebot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Shacklebot, Shacklebot, ooh la la, Shacklebot. That's the theme song. <laughs> can I have a, can I have my money back on that one, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're no. out for bl- you're out for blood with your Instagram account there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a good one, and uh, I'm excited. No, it's it's just a, it's a new hobby. It's a creative outlet for me to just sort of detox from this wicked world we live in, and uh, I'm having fun with it. Yeah, I like the pictures you send me. They're funny. I get a, yes. I, I get a couple of ha-has in there. So yeah, ha! The uh, the, the tasteful nudes. Yeah, they, uh, there you go. <laughs> they're going places. Yeah, oh, I don't chestnut. And then that's pretty much it. I haven't really done a whole lot. Of, uh, Call of Duty has a new new season out, so I've been kind of playing that. But ooh, um, I got uh, my buddy Aaron and I got first place in duos Warzone yesterday. We were on nice. fire. Nice. I started doing the big battle stuff. I hadn't dived into that yet. And so that was fun. Warzone? Like Battle no, Royale? No, it's, it's like uh, two teams, but it's just large, larger teams. That's all. And there's oh, vehicles and capture points. And yeah, uh, so that's kind of in the vein of like Battlefield. That's brand new, though. That's with this newest update. I'm pretty yeah, sure. And so I just started jumping into that. And I'm oh, cool. cool with it. Sweet. I'll have to check it out. It is kind of sucks when I walk through a door and I just get murdered. I'm like, God damn it. I know. And you <laughs> so, don't know where they were. And then I know. Like, oh. I'm just like, shit. <laughs> it like, always God, scares me. 
it was my damn lag. It was my yeah. internet that, that I couldn't shoot quick enough, or I just ate popcorn before this, so my hands are all greasy. Totally. This one guy, he sniped me from across the map, too, man. I was just like, son of a bitch. Like, I was like, there's no one there. And then it shows like kill cam and it's like way far away. Yeah. Like, He's probably like a, a nine year old kid. And he's yeah, saying, saying bad things about your mother online. Yeah. So. <laughs> she's, she's, she's nice. I like my mama. <laughs> she's a saint. Yeah. So jokes on you because she's actually a really nice person. So <laughs> what you just said doesn't even work. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Are you ready to talk about this week's motion picture show? I hope so. I'm going to try my darndest. Right. <laughs> are, you, are you not into it? We're, we're going to talk about 30 Days of Night, which was filmed back in 2007, directed by Mr. David Slade, who also brought you such uh, fun-loving <laughs> classics as... <laughs> You know, those comedies, those <laughs> gems, Hard Candy and Twilight Saga Eclipse. Oh, uh, Hard Candy is a rough one. Those are two very different movies. <laughs> yeah. One has vampires through the whole thing, and the other one's just got a vampire at the very end. Yeah. I'm kidding. Hard Candy is a vampire. <laughs> I was like, a vampire-free I, I was like, that's movie. not right, but I'll go with it. <laughs> he's, in, he's into the vampires. Yeah. <laughs> On account of the 30 days a night. Uh, Hard Candy was, uh, that was a rough watch. Um, and then the movie was written by Steve Niles, Stuart Betty, and Brian Nelson. They all wrote the screenplay. But it is worth noting that Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith wrote the comic book. By uh, from IDW, which is actually based here in the San Diego area. I was at their studio this time. Actually, this week last year, I was at the studio. Oh, Very nice. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the film stars Josh Hartnett, Melissa George, Danny Houston, who's often a bad guy, Ben Foster, who's always a creeper, Mark Boone Jr., uh, Manu Bennett, and that dude, he's a, he's a fucking badass. Uh, Manu Bennett, I love that guy. Uh, and then uh, Megan Franich. She was the skinny vampire that got burned. Oh, she yeah. She was like the tall, lanky one that was kind of by Danny Houston's side the whole time. I need to look at these actors who played the vampires uh, to see their faces, because some of them are recognizable, like Danny Houston, but then there's other ones where their faces are all deformed, and I'm like, I kind of right. know that guy. Um, so, and so, like, yeah. Mark Boone, uh, he was from... Uh, was Sons of Anarchy? He's like that big grizzly dude. He also uh, played. Um, he was in The Dark Knight. He played. Um, yeah, he yeah, the, the detective. Flass, like F L A S S. Flaccid, yeah. Lake Flaccid. <laughs> the alligators there. See, <laughs> the Olympics. Ah. <laughs> that was close. Yeah, Flash Thompson, Flaccid. Anywho. Um, so that's your cast. Pretty, pretty decent. Um, are you ready to hear about the critical reception? Yes. All right. So this is what makes this one interesting because it's at a 51% on the old Rotten Tomato there. So that with means being affected by extreme scores, that means people either really liked it or they hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Putting it right smack dab in the middle. And, uh, when this podcast started, uh, I think one of our goals was to pick films that were that were sort of in this vein, where it was in either you like it or you hate it, and uh, don't be crazy. And so this one actually kind of, interestingly enough, sort of falls in that category. Mm-hmm. 
And um, let me just read some of the lines here. Uh, let's see here. Andrea Gronval from Chicago Reader. Okay, first of all, let me just say that I love the town of Chicago. I have been there. It's beautiful. And the people are amazing. You got the deep dish pizza. You got the super mega buildings. You got the bean. If you want to flick it or lick it, whatever you want to do, it's cool. It's there. Whoa. But the reviewers, <laughs> they don't like movies. <laughs> Anyone that is in Chicago hates movies when it comes to a career as a film critic. And it just drives me nuts that every week when I say someone from Chicago, they always hate the goddamn movie. And that makes me sad. And in this particular case, uh, Andrea says, feels derivative of 28 Days Later, which I think is absurd. The, they're two very different movies. <laughs> yeah. One, <laughs> one's have, 30. One's yeah. 30. The other's 28. <laughs> yeah. They both have numbers in them. But one's <laughs> got like these rabid folks that are just uh, it, it's sick versus... These ancient monsters that come to murder people—they're two very different things. It's also a much sc smaller scale. Uh, I mean, yeah. because you can't leave Barrow. You have the elements, and and just a, such a small town. And in twenty-eight days later, it's London, and then it expands throughout England. So, I don't know what she's drinking I there. I don't think uh, twenty-eight days later or thirty days of night was played in Chicago when she watched. <laughs> Um, but either way, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I just feel like uh, this nice person just either wasn't paying attention or did not watch the film. Either either way, I find this review to be insulting. Um, let's see here. Tim Roby from Daily Telegraph in the UK. He says, adapted from the graphic novel by Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith, 30 Days of Night is so dead serious you may feel the frequent urge to poke it in the ribs. Yeah, there wasn't any uh, comedy relief in this movie. It was uh, it was pretty much sad and serious from start to finish. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> I don't think there were any real jokes in this movie. All right, Matthew Lucas from the front row. He says, Sad, A sadly missed opportunity, a waste of talent on senseless dreck that made even the always welcome Danny Houston as vampire leader look silly. Wow. A lot of hate for this film. I know. So Scott Winneberg from The Horror Show, he says, a blissfully mean-spirited and aggressively creepy terror tale and one that's not content to simply rest on its good concept. All right. Okay. Sure. Um, David Keyes from cinemaphile.org.net.edu says... Here is one of those rare movies that penetrates the membrane, separating all of those disposable gotcha scare fests from genuinely engrossing supernatural thrillers. And then the last one from Matthew Pekovic from Matt's Movies Reviews says, 30 Days of Night is a great example on how to combine chills, thrills, and gore with the end result, a serious and effective horror movie. So there you have it. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that all those people saw the same movie. <laughs> Two very different sides of the spectrum, which gets us at our 56% on the old Rotten Tomatoes score there. But uh, it's worth noting that this film had a budget of $30 million. Opening weekend, it did $15.9 million, and that was on October 19th of 2007. It grossed nearly $40 million here in the USA, 
and had a worldwide gross of $75 million, which was good enough to warrant a straight-to-video sequel. 31 Days of Night. Actually, I don't know what yeah. the sequel's called. <laughs> uh, you want to hear some trivia? Uh, yes. There weren't a lot of good, fun trivia facts of this film, but... <laughs> The the vampires speak a completely original language. It was created for the film with the help of a linguistics professor at a New Zealand university. Yes. And one of our friends, uh, Bobby, had a professor, that same professor, um, at her school. He has since moved on from New Zealand. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's neat. I didn't didn't remember to get his name, but. Oh, We'll change the names to protect the innocent. (laughs) But yeah, that's a thing. Dong, dong. Uh, Shot in New Zealand, nearly half of the cast is Kiwi or Australian. So I guess I could see that. Um, See some Maori people in there. And then according to David Slade, veteran director Sam Raimi was slated to direct the film when the script was in its earliest stages. Uh, But Sam Raimi opted to produce it instead. That would have been an interesting, interesting movie. Sam Raimi definitely has a style for his horror films. It would have been over the top, cheesy, fun gore. Um, this one was just over the top, really brutal, violent gore. So it was one of those things. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think they always need to be over the top with him. Like, I don't no, think Darkman no. is over the top per se. And that's sure. He, he's he, he's good at making horror films. So all of the, uh, all the vampires have names, but they're not mentioned until the end credits. And like, that's kind of what I was saying. It's interesting that they all had this agency and they were all their own characters, but we didn't recognize any of them. So I'd have to go through the IMDb list. I just didn't have enough time. Well, you got have, Hank, you got Harold, you got Reginald, you got Darius, you got Lulu and Francine. Why do they have really old names? Because <laughs> they're old vampires. All right, Mr. Justin, I'm going to read a quick synopsis for you that I wrote today. So the northern Alaskan town of Barrow prepares for their annual month-long polar night in which there is no sun for 30 straight days. Sheriff Eben Olson prepares the city and discovers that his ex-wife Stella Olson is also in the town finishing her work. As Stella tries to get to the airport, she is involved in a car crash, slowing her plans to quickly leave town. Eben sends his deputy billy to take stella to the airport but they are too late and is now stuck in barrow for the 30 days of night back in town a strange drifter causes a ruckus at a diner and eben arrests him stella meets up with eben his brother jake and his grandma helen at the police station while the stranger begins to tell the group that they are coming the power and phone lines simultaneously go out and eben is forced to check the power station eben discovers a mutilated body and warns the town to lock up and grab their guns As Eben's group tries to figure out what is going on, screams and gunshots are heard through the town as the group of evil, vampire-like creatures begin attacking citizens. Eben's team is able to meet up with a group of survivors who then make their way to a hidden attic. Days go by as the group loses survivors while they try to hold out until the sun comes back up. The diminished group make their way to the general store and are attacked by a vampire-like child. One survivor is scratched by the girl but remains mostly unharmed. Eben discovers that UV light does in fact harm the creatures after he uses grow lights to burn one. On about day 27, the group moves back to the police station only to find out that the wounded survivor is slowly turning into a hybrid human-vampire-like creature. Eben is forced to kill him as the whittled group decide to head to the Utilidor to hold out one more day for the sun. 
Eben and Stella find Billy and discover that he has killed his family to save them from a more gruesome creature death. Maddened at him, the group pick Billy up but are attacked on their way to the Utilidor. Stella hides under a truck while the rest of the group make it inside the building. Billy is then attacked by a creature and bitten in the process of killing him. Eben kills him and radios to Stella trying to devise a rescue plan. To protect their secrecy, the creatures start a town fire to make the event look like an accident. With no other options, Eben takes some of Billy's vampiric-like blood and injects himself, creating a human-vampire-like hybrid. Eben squares off with the leader creature and defeats him in hand-to-hand combat. The other creatures are stunned and decide to run away or something. Eben and Stella rekindle their love as they watch Eben's demise by sunset. Do you believe in horror stories? <laughs> so there we go. That's pretty good. Um, the, the town of Barrow. That's B-E-A-R-O. <laughs> I, I don't, I think it's B-A-R-R-O-W. I think that's what it is. Uh, no, it won't. I think on the sign, it's like B-A-R-O-U-G-H. Really? Um, yeah, on, on, on the, the patch, population sign. On the patch on the sheriff's arm, like Billy's arm, it says B-A-R-R-O-W. So maybe right. that was a continuity issue. I, I think I think there's a real place. <laughs> there is. <laughs> but, now yeah. it has, but now it has like a, a different name. It was renamed. Um, but Barrow is basically, it's like the northernmost city in the United States. And... Mm. Um, it's uh, it's edgy, bro. And while I don't think that it necessarily gets exactly thirty days of darkness, I was kind of uh, playing around on the on the old Wikipedia there, so now I'm expert. But it says the sun sets on November eighteenth or nineteenth, and it remains below the horizon for about sixty six days. This creates a polar night that lasts until the sun returns to lightly touch the horizon due to the refraction and scattering of the atmosphere by January 22nd or 23rd. The sun then rises again completely over the horizon by January 27th or 28th. During the first half of the polar night, there is a decreasing amount of twilight each day, and on the winter solstice around December 21st or 22nd, the civil twilight in Barrow lasts a mere three hours. Barrow. <laughs> I'm Jack Barrow. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of uh, Hank from um, Barry. Barrow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Barry. Barrow. B E A R O. Barrow. No. Um, it, they pronounce it Barrow. Uh, and I only know that because uh, my friend, she lives in Alaska. So I, I snapped her really quick and I was like, Hey, so I'm doing a podcast on this town. Of, <laughs> and is it is it Barrow or Barrow? And she responded laughing, but with a Barrow, which is why I now spell it B-E-A-R-O. <laughs> with an and Barrow was its name. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> so yeah. When uh when did you first see 30 Days a Night? And at the time, did you know it was based on a comic book? Uh so I saw it actually in theaters back in 2007. I did not know it was a comic book, but I soon after realized it was because on the poster there it says based off the graphic novel. <laughs> so um yeah, I found that out. But I I really liked it when I was a young lad and then I bought it on DVD. I had this really cool steelbook edition of it. I think it was a steelbook edition of it. 
no no directors or unrated cut but yeah i really enjoyed it when i was was that age and i've seen it probably twice since then and today being maybe that third viewing that i had of it um it didn't hold up justin <laughs> it didn't really hold up as much as i wanted it to um maybe just because my my tastes have changed but who knows so i don't know man what about you um so i i didn't see it in a theater i saw it excuse me when it came available on the video uh probably through netflix in 2007 probably got it mailed to me um but that was the first time i had seen it and the last time i had seen it and then I had bought it on the Blu-ray like two or three years ago, and then I never, <laughs> I never watched it. And I watched it again, my copy for the very first time um, last night. And I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I think, I think this would be. Um, I will get into it in a second, but I think that this would work better on a different sort of platform. Um, which actually brings me to my first question. So like 30 days is a long time to be hunkered down in avoiding vampires. The film skips around quite a bit from day one to day seven to day 20 something and so on. Now, while this isn't effective to keep the story moving forward, it does get to skip all the heightened tension that comes with cabin fever. And we do get a glimpse of that with the old man and his son when they're all putting up a fight, like I gotta get out of here, man. I gotta get my hair cut and go to the store and shit. So, um, <laughs> Kind of like COVID. causes problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but do you think a story like this would benefit more from a series model like uh, original programming on HBO or Netflix or something along those lines? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, we, we were just raving about Lovecraft Country and HBO is and I've said this so many times, just my my favorite. And they're so great at adapting source material into uh, what's kind of an original idea. Uh, you know, we saw it with Watchmen. We see it with this. They had other shows like The Leftovers as well, even Barry. Um, I, that are I just... hated The Leftovers. Interesting. Oh, my oh. God. It's so boring. Interesting. Yeah. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Especially those people that don't talk. Oh, my God. Hey, spoilers, man. So, so, some people haven't watched it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's been around for long enough. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely think so. And and I think that I would, I would 100% be bought in just if it had the HBO moniker behind it. With Netflix, not so much. I am still not 100% sold on Netflix's original programming. I've seen a handful of things that I really like, but I I just, I don't think they're as edgy. I mean, you're an edgy guy, and and so I think edgy that you would prefer, I know, I think you would prefer the HBO better, but they could do this. Like, this is my kind of idea for it. They could do 10 episodes, because I think that's kind of the sweet spot for HBO series, and they could do maybe three days each per episode. Or something like that, you know, so that way you <laughs> your can math holds out, <laughs> <laughs> run that shit. <laughs> so just to, to, to check to see what it's like um, during that three day period where they're trying to figure out how to survive. They're trying to figure out what they need to do. We can get more into the backstory of the vampires if we need to. I do like the no exposition and then slowly kind of give a little bit, you know. Uh, I, I think the gore was really good in the movie, and I think that you could still hold a lot of that up on HBO. It'd be harder on like a cable channel like AMC. I know that they have The Walking Dead, but I don't know if... Do you think this is bloodier than The Walking Dead? Gorier, I should say. I, I mean, like, people got scratched a couple of times, but I don't remember ever being like grossed out or anything. I mean, you see people just get attacked in their neck, and maybe I guess a head got chopped off, but... 
I think I think that this could work on AMC. I was more in tune with HBO or Netflix, but mm-hmm. whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, and and you know, I think what's really cool is like a lot of time, in, a lot of times in in horror movies like this, they if they want to go a little bit deeper and make it more um, serious, I guess you could say, like we were talking about earlier, they try to draw on some crazy and heartbreaking realities that kind of must be faced. So things like Billy having to kill his family, he didn't have to, but him killing his family, the right. father, the, the he father was, was like, it's in your best interest that I murder you now. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll get into that later. I don't yeah. like Billy, but, uh, the father with Alzheimer's and then letting, you know, that, that Kirsten girl die as she was bait to the town. I mean, those are, if you flesh that out, those are some really heart punching, gut wrenching moments. And I think that that would work really well on a television series. Right. Uh, it, and, you know, if, if they could develop this into a great show similar to The Walking Dead, then it would just be it'd be it'd be money right there. Right. So, like, I was thinking, like, something like Lost, where we have an episode that focuses on on certain characters and then you get flashbacks about that person. What makes him a good person? What makes him a bad person versus mm-hmm. a quick snapshot of them in fear and what kind of decisions they'll ultimately make. But if we got to know and love that character that's walking up and down the street, that's that's bait that could really tug at your heartstrings versus just being some rando girl number six walking down the street. You know what I mean? So right. I do think if we had multiple episodes to care about this character and then feel the same pain that the people that are locked away are feeling, that would be much more impactful. And this is topical just because I've been playing the shit out of it, like I said, but for the last of us part two, there's a lot of time jumps. So there's a bunch of, um, you know, day one and then three years earlier and then day two and like, two months earlier and just a lot of jumping, but it gives more into the backstory. So I think you're right. You could do something like that where we, we care more about the characters. Like I want to see what happened with Stella and, um, Eben. Like, how did they, how, how did she leave him? You know, was it, was it, she got cold feet or something, but you, you, you develop a little more or something about Bo, like the, the plow driver, the snow plow driver. He seems a little kooky and see kind of what happens. There's there's a lot you could unfold there. And it almost makes me wonder if they were trying to plan a sequel to this movie. Um, but I think I think you're you're spot on with the TV show idea. Yeah. He even says, like, isn't that why we moved out here? So we wouldn't have to worry about shit like this, like when it's leaking oil all over the street and stuff. I know. In um, the snow, so, which will melt. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's definitely something to be said about uh why you would find yourself in the northernmost town in the United States where it's cold all year round. I'd say in the summer, it's probably, it might even break like 50 degrees on a hot day. <laughs> so I uh, <laughs> uh, wear shorts that day. That's great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so who, who knows? But uh, I do think that there's something to be said about the nice people that live in a community like that so far away from and, and removed from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked earlier about the vampires having their own language. Uh, does this film benefit from something like that? Like, Does it help paint a picture of them uh, more as monsters and, and really up in the creep factor? Or it, was it unnecessary to go through all that trouble? Uh, yeah, I I liked it. I liked I mean, I always appreciate when someone can create their own language like I had from that trivia fact. And I really liked the aspect of it because kind of dehumanized them it really made them monsters 
It'd be, because they speak uh, another language. Yeah, like, well, like if you go to but, another but, country. No, 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 no. But it's like it's a language that that <laughs> the English hum- motherfucker did you speak. <laughs> it's a language that the the human tongue has never spoken, and so you can see bits and pieces of a lot of different types of language in it. So that's what's really cool about it, and. Um, I think that it provided that that creep factor along with just the ambiguous, you know, kind of historical factor, because who knows how long the, these vampires have been living and feeding and doing this. Uh, you know, they want to protect their secrecy. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they've been doing it for a while. Right. And it kind of th- like the language thing goes back to the TV question a little bit. You could use the ambiguity of the vampires in that show and slowly divulge their backstory, kind of show what happened with their language. I I think that could be really fun. Um, I'm always impressed too when, like I said, just when somebody creates their own language. Sure. Twins do it. Yeah. Twins. And 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 twins. twins. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. (laughs) Uh, Was it weird for you seeing them look so disheveled and wearing clothes that might have been worn to work? Like sort of this business casual meets borrow... (laughs) or Barrow, rather, athleisure apparel. Um, do you prefer a clean and proper Victorian-era vampire as opposed to a rando dressed for takeout? No way, man. I prefer, I prefer my vampires glittery and in the Pacific Northwest. So. I like where your head is at. <laughs> so no. sparkling, beautiful. So sparkly. Say uh, it. <laughs> um, you, you know, I think, I think it's appropriate, and it alluded to kind of when they were turned. So I know I just said about the historical language and and them being possibly older, but then you have a guy who's wearing a a two piece suit that looks like it was from the early two thousands. So who kind of, who kind of knows, but I think again, that's the mystery behind it all. Who knows when they turn like that one gal is wearing a skirt when she's, when she's been a skirt and like high boots. And I'm like, you can't wear no skirt and high boots up in, up in Barrow. It's too cold. But it's it it reminds me of zombies like in The Walking Dead, right? We get a sense that they were bitten wearing like a dinner jacket or while they were wearing some Lululemon yoga pants or something. That change happens so quick that you can't go putting on no winter parkas or like Mickey Mouse ears if you want to be a cool vampire. I'd be a vampire in jeans because I'm ready for a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Not if it's 110 out though. You're wearing shorts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I would look embarrassing right now. I'm wearing my... My Smokey and the Bandit shirt and some shorts. <laughs> That's why we always got to be dressing nice just in case we get bit by, by vampires. Yeah. We want to be classy, you know. <laughs> but the, the Victorian like Anne Rice vampire, that will always have a place. I, I'm i I'm glad they went away from that, though, and kind of went the creeper route. And, you know, th- things like the ship, the ship that, that was out that the stranger came from. I'm assuming that's where the vampires came from, but that was never really explained. Right. So it, it'd be cool. And then... Um, it reminded me, though, of what we do in the shadows, how each of those vampires have a different style and a different type of vampire, like from famous movies and eras and whatever. I, I think that that was very akin to to what you're talking about now. Right. I just think it's strange that they didn't uh, you know, change their clothes. Um, I guess they had more important things to worry about, but like drinking blood uh, <laughs> just just struck me as odd because they're obviously intelligent. Oh, they're really uh, smart. You know, they yeah. have their own language. They, they, they're total creepers. But uh, I mean, they're not dressed for the occasion, which I just thought was just remarkable. Like, I mean, if they're spending all this time in this town, thirty days, I'm surprised they don't go rummage through people's shit 
to maybe find something uh, a little bit more appropriate to the area, <laughs> especially if they're trying to blend in. You know, talking about being around for hundreds of years. Um, I don't know. It just struck me as odd. That's all. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, can we talk about the cast for a little bit? Uh, yeah, please. And all 15 of those vampires that we don't know their names. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. Um, so Ben Foster, this guy, he excels at playing a creeper. And I just feel like he needs, maybe he doesn't need, but I feel like every movie I see him in, he's always just a weirdo. And I would just appreciate if he played a normal guy every once in a while. <laughs> Like in 310 to Yuma, he's like, yeah, you're going to burn, dude. And then <laughs> in uh, Hell or High Water, he's like, yeah, let's go rob some banks and feel good about it. Shoot him up, bang, bang. And uh, then in this, he's a weirdo. Um, I think even in Warcraft, he's a weirdo. And um, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I think he's way more talented than that. And I just, I if I'm a director and I'm like, hey, I need a creeper, get get Ben Foster on the phone. He doesn't always he, he doesn't always play a creeper, though. I mean, yeah. the most recent thing that I saw him in was Leave No Trace. And I think he was fantastic in that. He played a never uh, even a, heard of it. They must have not left a trace. He played a vet who had PTSD and he did a really good job in it. He was he was fantastic in it. Um, it looks like he was also in The Messenger with Woody Harrelson. I never saw that, so I can't speak to it. But I don't believe he played a villain in that. Uh, he was also oh, in I saw Lone- that movie. He was in Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been in, you know, he's he's had some he had some movies that he was in that wasn't too bad. Maybe maybe that's just it. Maybe when he plays a normal guy, it's forgettable. But then when he plays a creeper, you remember. Uh, I yeah, I, I mean, but but I, I, I I'm not like I don't want to say I'm the biggest Ben Foster fan. I've seen a lot of his Sounds stuff. Sounds like but... you have a cardboard cutout of him in your room. May, OK, I, I stand corrected. I he is not always a creeper. That is just every movie that I watch him in. <laughs> that's my takeaway. It's like, yeah, dude, find a new creeper. I'm sick of him being a creeper. He's a really good character actor, and and he's just he's awesome as a villain equally as he is a good guy. Uh, and you know, just like kind of what you said, the sentiment to what you're saying, I think he might be one of the more underrated actors in Hollywood. He's uh, he's really good. I mean, even in Alpha Dog, I remembered he was kind of he teetered that line between good and bad, but he did a great job. Wasn't he like the brother? Yeah. I forgot about that movie. I don't like that movie. It's sad. Yeah. I remember reading about it in back when the newspaper was a thing. Uh, before it was a movie, like the actual story, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Totally. Um, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Uh, does Josh Hartnett pull off the small town sheriff? Were you, did you get behind him? Were you drinking his brand? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I was never really sold on Josh Hartnett based on the majority of his films. But... I, I liked him in this role. I think I think, you know, he kind of did a good job. I liked him in the faculty, but he kind of played the same role after a while. And then he did a bunch of weird rom coms. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed him in this role. I think he kind of had gusto. Gusto. I like him. I think he's great. I want to be his friend. I want to party with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it comes to stories like these, do you ever place bets on which characters are going to live or die at the beginning of the movie? I mean, subconsciously, I do. I I don't 
I don't always, but unfortunately with this one, I definitely had some people that I was like, all right, they're probably going to die just based off of who they are. So like Helen, the sweet old grandma, I just felt like you had to, you had to suffer a, a familial loss for our main characters. Uh, Isaac, he was the older man. He could have survived, but I think, and you know, his, his death was off screen or we're assuming it was a death at least. But yeah, I think his Doug, he was that guy that, um, said my wife's gonna kill me if i eat the oreos and capri suns and whatever he was just a jerk he was the one that was like you know we need to get out of here we need to go do whatever who put you in charge whenever you have yeah. the other you have that other architect or archetype of a character where he's like conflicting with the the protagonist that's usually somebody who goes so yeah and and he wasn't quite dickish enough to where there was a payoff for when he died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, usually there's some annoying character that you just can't wait to see get killed off. But I don't think this movie really had that kind of payoff. And um, I definitely noticed it. You know, like um, uh, Manu Bennett, his, uh, or Manu, uh, what, what's a Manu with you? The um, He w- ended up being like a coward, but it wasn't a payoff when he died. Um, does it bother you that, or were you more glad that they skipped out on that trope where, where you finally get to see that 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 satisfaction when that asshole character gets killed. Yeah, so like I'll just say I didn't like Billy at all. I thought his character didn't do anything for the movie. He he gave that shock factor, you know, that he killed his family, but even that wasn't as shocking just because he wasn't really in the movie at all. He was in a, right. at the beginning <laughs> and at the end. Yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of and he didn't really do anything. I guess you could say, "Oh, he saved them from that vampire by pushing them in the in the wood chipper or whatever that thing was but he didn't really do anything and it and it bothered me he just was a wimp he didn't have any redeeming qualities um so i didn't really i wasn't i wasn't vibing what he was putting down right but, so like if it was a series and we had flashbacks of him with his family and how amazing that was and how his there kids were wonderful and his wife was wonderful and then it fast forwards to him being sad and alone you're like man what could have happened you know how did he get away you know what horrible thing happened and then it's revealed that he murders them, that would have been powerful. You could do even, hopefully HBO is listening to us right now, but you <laughs> could you could do a 10 episode uh, episodic serial for this where basically uh, you focus on one family all during this same period. Like each hour long episode is, is a different family's point of view. So you're just re re repeating the exact same thing and you can have callbacks to what was going on. So like you hear a a certain scream in the background and then gunshots and that that's in almost every episode or something like that, where you could kind of get what's going on in, in these side characters heads. I think that would be kind of interesting to do too. But anyways, that was a side note, but yeah, even, even the villain, even Danny Houston's character, I didn't, I wasn't really satisfied when he died. He got punched through his face and I was just like, Oh, well, that was okay. I punched a guy through the face once. No, you didn't. Yeah. It was in the the gulag. (laughs) There you go. Uh, But I I think the second half of this film really fell short for me. And I think it keeps going back to what you're talking about with the TV show. It felt like it just ran out of time because we're almost at two hours. And I think they just kept rushing things. And it just didn't really do anything for me. Right. So it's at 18 minutes when the first person gets killed. 18 minutes? Yeah. New York City. Um, Yes. So we saw that there was vandalism and weird shit happening. But uh, the first murder, you say, was at 18 minutes. Hmm. Uh, FYI. And it's a two-hour movie. And then then the 
the siege happens and it gets pretty intense. So it has like that huge murder spree, then hiding, 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 sneak out, bad shit happens, hiding, 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 then finale. Mm-hmm. So a uh, lot to be left uh, on the table there. Um, in the film, the we talked about this earlier, the head vampire speaks of their kind being a legend for hundreds of years, implying that they have been walking the earth for quite some time. Are there any monsters or legends that you cling to and that you believe or at least hope are true? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I have to believe there's something out there. So like the Loch Ness monster, that'd be a good one. You never know what's underneath the water. It's it's always terrifying just because it's, you know, so deepest bluest and uh, Bigfoot because I live up here in the PNW. Uh, I camp and I backpack and hike and all that stuff. So I'm always looking out for a Sasquatch somewhere just because uh, that's why I keep some beef jerky with me so he can he can eat it. And then I also think, you know, giant sharks like Jaws are probably out there. Um, and why not? Vampires and extraterrestrials. Why the hell not? There's there's probably some sort of vampiric like creature out there. Chupacabra. But, yeah, there you go. Or Cthulhu. That's not like a vampire at all, but it's, it's <laughs> Cthulhu. <laughs> you know, I, I do want to believe there's vampires because I want to believe in a Wesley Snipes like Blade character somewhere that uh, yeah. kills him, and then he says cool lines like "Some motherfucker is no. always trying to ice skate uphill." <laughs> <laughs> I I love the Blade movies, so and I. I after well. I had committed to this movie. I was kind of sad that I didn't think of Blade first because we've already done Lost Boys and that was pretty recent. And now we've done 30 Days of Night and then we're going to do Twilight Saga next. So, I mean, that's a lot of vampire movies to have on the table. But I do think it's such a fascinating creature, as it were. I'm trying to remember my first exposure to what vampires were. And it will probably be something in a general sense of Dracula. Uh, you know, as a kid and Halloween and seeing vampires and stuff. And oh, what's that? No, oh, it's a Dracula or whatever. But um, I do these... remember a pretty young oh, age. I'm sorry. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are these what? Um, so I was going to ask you, uh, do you consider these vampires? I mean, I, I feel we might have, maybe we asked this during Lost Boys, but vampires in the traditional sense, you know, like the garlic, the holy water, the sun, all that kind of stuff. I think this one they bite you and they drink your blood, but I don't know. I mean, some of these vampires sure. are just like eating people. Sure. So it's kinda... I, I, think I think they're vampires. They, they have that super strength. They die when the sun hits them. They burn when the sun hits them. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big giveaway. They do need the blood. Um, and they've, they, uh, it sounds like they're immortal by saying, you know, we've been around for hundreds of years. Um, I would say, yes, they are vampires. Why aren't they sexy like like the Lost Boys? I don't, I don't think 28 Days Later is zombies or, or vampires, but I do think that that these folks are vampires. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I mean, the whole idea of garlic and uh, and being invited in, you know, th- those are rules in the grand sense of vampires, but I think a lot of the movies all sort of have takeaways mm-hmm. on what is real and what isn't when it comes to vampires. Those vampires didn't give a shit about rules. They're just letting themselves into houses left and right. <sighs> yeah. And they needed the stranger to help them set them up for success. You know, right. cause they're not available during the day to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I would think that that makes the most sense. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Um, so yeah. Um, in your travels whilst camping out in the wilderness, have you ever come across something that was scary? Maybe the remains of an animal or a freaky campsite, the Blair Witch, or anything that's unexplainable? You know, have you ever woken up inside your tent to violent screams, cannibals, or killers? Whoa. <laughs> What kind of camping do you think I'm doing? <laughs> but, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't so go I, out there. Fuck that shit. Roughing it is the Motel 6. There you go. Uh, I've definitely, I've come across some weird buildings or structures that have been out in remote parts of, of the wilderness or old abandoned like campers or trailer remains. But I haven't really seen anything too frightening. Um, I have read some stories like on Reddit and stuff and just uh, through word of mouth about creepy campers or other backpackers that were near like my friend's campsites or, you know, these articles I was reading campsites where it's kind of like deliverance style almost where this person would follow them almost anywhere they went. And that that terrifies me because if yeah, if, <laughs> if, if again, just to reiterate the Last of Us part two, <laughs> um, I'm more scared of the people than I am of the monsters. So people are, people are crazy, but you know, I've definitely seen plenty of bears like black bears around um, the area. I had a scare when I was in Alaska once I was hiking by myself and they have a lot of grizzlies up there. And I went to, I did this hike alone and you know, I didn't have any bear spray with me cause I was an idiot, but I was walking through an area and I did see some droppings of a bear and I would not have been able to see one um, because I was walking through some tall brush. So I was like clapping and making loud noise as I was going through. I, uh, I was a little terrified there. Not gonna lie, but that was on me. I was an idiot. I didn't bring bear spray. So sometimes, you know, sometimes when I camp, I do have a hard time sleeping because I get worried about just certain sounds. Like if I hear like a growl or something, but I'm mostly fine. I would uh, freak me out if I heard a growl outside my tent. And then if I woke up and there was and there was like sticks all around in the trees in like like (laughs) Blair Witch. I'm like, oh, fuck this shit. Um, I don't like it. Not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I remember one time I was at the Salton Sea and I was fishing with my dad and there was this area on the backside of the of the Salton Sea where there's like all these like uh, trailers and like truck hauler type things. And uh, there's people living in them like squatters and such. And and I heard some screaming and noises that I did not like. <laughs> I was like, there you get the hell out of here, man. This is some edgy <laughs> shit. And um, just not a fan. It's like, why am I even here? Why, why did I put myself in this position this was a terrible (laughs) idea um and i just i just don't like that you know we had talked about uh after watching like a scary movie when you go out to take out the garbage and you're just like maybe you walk a little bit faster or something (laughs) you know you just your (laughs) adrenaline's pumping you're like man i don't want to get murdered right now and like when i go to bed i'm i'm like i make sure that sticks in the window so no one can crawl (laughs) in you know i open up a couple of doors i make sure that everything's locked um you know, just because it's a two-story house and I wouldn't hear if someone came in. So I just mm-hmm. try to try my best to be prepared and keep the vampires out. Yeah, there you go. Don't don't ever invite them in. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I don't I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> you, you don't uh, you don't get the invitation. You know, when I was a kid, I used to uh, before I went to sleep, I would pull the blanket all the way over my head and basically just let my face show. And I covered my neck because I didn't want vampires to bite me. And oh, wow. for some for some reason, I believed that the blanket that vampires could not bite through a blanket. So I don't want my neck exposed. 
that's just like sticking it out there for them to chomp away at. That makes sense. I always uh, sleep facing the door. Oh, uh, I'm always of the opinion that if a foreign entity were to enter my room, I would be able to like have that sixth sense to be able to wake up and be like, don't you come in my room? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you got your jeans on, too. You're ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go, dude. <laughs> Fucking rock and roller, man. Turn into lion, Lionheart over here. <laughs> <laughs> Check this shit out. Yeah. And I'll be like, dick punch. <laughs> and I'm ready to go. Now, the town of Barrow is interesting. The idea of being so far north that uh, it actually escapes the sun for a length of time is just horrifying to me in its own way. Uh, some folks at the beginning of the movie just say, fuck this shit. I'm leaving before I never see another sunrise again. Uh, could you ever live in a place like this as, as someone that lives in the Pacific Northwest that gets a lot of cloud cover as it were, but there are nice days and they're beautiful days. Um, but could you ever live in a town that was just surrounded by darkness by, for such a long time? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't choose to, I definitely could, especially with it being pretty remote up there. It'd be nice to be away from things. And that small town vibe would be kind of cool. Uh, I don't know how long I would, do it for because I grew up in a smaller town and I think I, you would make it through your Tinder swipes in about four minutes. In a town there like you that. go. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be dating everybody. So, you know, it's um, it's interesting. I I think I, I, I could do it. Uh, it would just get really old. I mean, you know, it gets really dark here in in Washington during the wintertime. And it's it's nothing like that. But we have, you know, nine hours of daylight maybe in the wintertime or eight hours of daylight in the wintertime. You go to work at, at seven or eight in the morning and you come home at four, four thirty and it's already dark. So it, it, while you're working, it's light out. And then when you get home, it's dark. It's, it's just crazy. So yeah, I, I always I think, hated that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I might be able to, but who knows? I don't know. I think I would get way too depressed. I need oh, sun, totally. and and I think that I think that living in Washington for ten years definitely had uh, its toll on me when it came to uh, like the Seattle freeze, as it were, and just other people's attitudes. Uh, you know, the the weather can definitely affect your mood. And coming from a little ray of sunshine, it was hard to adjust to that i mean i could be happy and bubbly but as soon as i'm like hey how's it going guy and they're like oh i'm good then it just <laughs> automatically just takes the wind out of my sails i'm like okay fine i'll just be fucking mad at the world too <laughs> thanks guy uh so i definitely would have a hard time doing it i couldn't i could never in a million trillion years ever live in alaska two for two reasons one the snow and then and be just the the long nights in the winter pass yeah could not do it just not in the cards. You know, it's interesting about the Seattle freeze, like you were saying. So I'm a Seattleite through and through and a Washingtonian, you know, and the most the majority of people who um, are responsible for the Seattle freeze are transplants, people who are not from here. So you have your people who moved here for tech jobs, for all that kind of stuff. That's the majority of people that I've dealt with who had Seattle freeze. I don't really have it from pure Washingtonians from the majority of it um we're all pretty friendly but I, I i know what you mean i definitely get more seasonal depression in the winter time when it's a little bit darker and sadder more morose here mm -hmm. yeah i mean and, th and that could very well be true because they left from this um, remarkable place and they came to washington and they're like holy shit it does rain every goddamn day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even in the summertime so 
I, I could totally see that that Seattle freeze exists uh, in the transplants. But I, like me personally, I'm, I'm a go getter. And when I moved out there, I was just like, hey, let's go do this. Hey, let's go do that. I'm ready to mm-hmm. do this. Let's hang out. Let's meet up. Let's do this. And the the resistance to that was just remarkable. And and a lot of folks, not that this is a bad thing, but their idea of hanging out is just being indoors. And I like the rooftop bars and the the going out on the town, the sightseeing, you know, the the experiencing the the community, the sucking up the local color as it were. <laughs> and and uh, not a lot of people are into that. So it kind of sucks. And like I, I like day trips. You know, I, I could just you know get my car and drive for like three hours, see a fucking thing, and then get back in my car and go home. And I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Um, but not everybody can can do that. <laughs> uh, now, at the beginning of this podcast, you said that this movie doesn't uh, hold up. But where does 30 Days of Night rank uh, with you in the echelon of vampire motion picture shows? Eh, I mean... Maybe like seven or ten. I have quite a few that are ahead of so it. So you got Twilight, you got the Twilight two, you got the Twilight three, you got the Twilight four, Negative. and a five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that like Lost Boys is probably my favorite vampire movie. Is and it then really? yeah, and then you have like Interview with a Vampire, Queen of the Damned. Uh, you have Bram Stoker's Dracula. You have the original Dracula. Uh, you got Blade. I mean, that's high up there. These are in no particular order, by the way. But you have Blade. I'm sure there's other ones out there, but I don't immediately think of 30 Days of Night when I think of vampire films. I remember it when someone says it. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, I forgot about that one. But these are just the ones that I think off the top of my head. So, I, I mean, you know, if, if a list of 10 specific vampire films, it would probably be like between 7 and 10. What about you? I don't know. That all sounds good. <laughs> sure, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I really like Interview with the Vampire a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Lost Boys quite a bit. Blade. I uh, enjoy the fuck out of Blade. I think it's so good. I went into that movie with zero expectations. And I, when someone, if I, when I came out of it, if someone asked me what I want to be when I grow up, I would say Blade. I thought it was so fucking <laughs> cool. And um, that is pretty cool. So, uh, you know, there's that. But. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I like it, but I do think that this era of horror movie has a lot of, uh, similar films, you know, like the crazies, um, oh, yeah. 30 days of night. Um, I, I, I mean, I can't, even, they all kind of blend together. How sad is that? Like, I don't even really remember a whole lot of different horror movies. Um, that I think stood the out. hills, the hills have eyes. Came out around that time too. That was right? like 2005. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, similar. That that's like one of my favorite horror movies ever. Though. Sure. Like I, yeah. I really, really. That one was a, a complete standout for me. I, I just fucking love that movie. But, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really know. I, I wish I had a better answer. I didn't. Really think about <laughs> I wasn't prepared to answer. I, I thought of the question, but I didn't have an answer for you. But I would snip, say snap. that Blade, snip, Lost snap. Boys, yeah, exactly, Blade, Lost Boys, and um, fucking Interview with the Vampire, probably my three favorites off the top of my head there for vampire movies. Oh, and What We Do in the Shadows, I forgot about that one too, obvious. Yes, yeah. that, but see, like that is, you know, a comedy, a mockumentary, mm-hmm. um, yes, it does count as a vampire movie, 
but uh, it's definitely not in the same vein of of like your blades and your Thirty Days of Night and your Lost Boys and your Interview with the Vampire or Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. Yeah, <laughs> forgot about that one. I know, me too. Until um, just right now. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, just a quick a quick Google search: best vampire movies. It's got to be Lost Boys number one. Uh, so we have Underworld. Totally forgot about the Underworld Oh, I movies. totally forgot about Underworld. I like the first one. Yeah, I like the first one, and I like the prequel one that shows like them from a long, like in the medieval days or whatever. Oh, yeah, that one. I cool. thought that was cool. Uh, Fright Night, that was a good one. That was really good, and they remade it, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't but it terrible, wasn't yeah. 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 Uh, Let Me In, which was a remake of Let mm-hmm. the Right One In. Uh, both pretty good. Um... So yeah, I guess I guess there's some movies there. A lot of underworlds. How many of those did they make? <laughs> I thought they made like four. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um, Thirty yeah. Days of Underworld. But I mean, there aren't a lot. I mean, there's, it's just popped up as popular movies. But then there's like the Vampire's Assistant, Cirque du Freak, or whatever. Um, not Pass. not good. Yeah. Um, vampire Dog. Um, yeah, I don't really know. So I'm curious what other people's favorite vampire movies were. I mean, I do remember. Oh, you know what's a good one? It's fucking Dracula Untold Story. I like that one. Uh, mm. That had um, Luke Evans might have been Dracula. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I actually never saw it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. So that was going to be one of the ones that kicked off the Universal movie. Oh, that's right. Magic monster. Yeah, that's movies. right. The um, Universal. What do they call it? Yeah, dark fucking dark, dark universe. There you go, the <laughs> yeah, dark universe. Um, so that was cool. I actually dug that movie a lot. I thought it was fun. Huh. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It's on my voodoo's. I think if you want to just borrow it, books. Check them out. Check them out. But, <laughs> um, now, what letter grade would you have given this movie when you first saw it versus what letter grade you give it now? When I first saw it, I gave it an A, but when I revisited it, I, I think I got to give it a, a C plus. Uh, no, you know what? I'm giving it a B minus. So I, I really enjoyed uh, the terror that was involved in it. It was, you know, it was creepy. It was dark. I liked um, it. It held up. I didn't watch it on DVD this time. I actually rented it because I only own it on DVD and I don't want to watch that quality. Uh, it looked really good surprisingly <laughs> why but, do you keep it are you gonna toss all your dvds or are you gonna hang no on i'm gonna hang on to a man but <laughs> you, you know i uh yeah first world world problems right but I, I i think it looked good and i was entertained by it but I, I like i said the second half just felt so rushed and then they were just playing the hiding game for a long time so i really like your idea of the tv show because I, I would be 100 on board with that it just it, it kind of fell flat for me towards the end and i just you know, it didn't it didn't have the payoff like I wanted it to. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's like a game of cat and mouse that just doesn't really end. And then finally, it just does. <laughs> like, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your grade? Uh, I'd probably give a C plus. I think that's fair. Uh, I just think that um, if, if given more time and done a little bit different. I think the comic book would probably be a lot better for me just for exploring mm-hmm. different things. I should probably read it. I, I own it. I just never read it. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's on me. But uh, I mean, it's it's cool. Uh, I definitely like the idea. I, I really, really like the idea of this town that's just surrounded in darkness for 30 days. I think that alone is 
a test of one's will and to throw vampires into the mix just complicates things. And so uh, I'm all on board for the concept. You could pitch me this movie idea and I'd be like, yeah, this is fucking great. We know we'll make it better. (laughs) A series. Um, So that's where I am with that. But other than that, uh, that's that's pretty much I got, man. Do you want to take us out? Sure, I can uh, I can do that for you. So thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about The Last of Us Part 2. Oh, wait, I mean 30 Days of Night. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, the official site of the Don't Be Crazy podcast. You got Justin, his is Edgy Armo, and mine is ZachDale60. Go ahead and share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on our show. Tell us what your favorite vampire flick is. Uh, it's definitely not Underworld 1, 2, 3, or 4, or 5, if there are 5. But There's, uh, also, there's also New Moon and Eclipse and Breaking <laughs> Dawn and Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. <laughs> and Van Helsing. <laughs> Fucking Van Helsing. Yeah. I hate that movie, too. <laughs> I actually kind of like it, so. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Uh, Please also be sure to check out the amazing Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the additional Justin podcast, the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. He is so good at talking about them video games, and Justin likes it. So, (laughs) (laughs) with that being said, just please, as your weekly reminder, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.